Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Sports Talk from the Crib. Man, is it beautiful out here this morning? Right here in Tampa, Florida. It's the first time I've seen sunshine out here in probably two weeks. It hasn't rained yet. It's a beautiful thing. It looks like it's going to be an absolutely gorgeous day. But anyways, we're going to get into some, some sports here. Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. The duo, the battle between those two guys is incredible. We know it's another fascinating game. We'll get into the L.A. dominance. The L.A. Lakers and the Clippers look like they're in beast mode right now in these last couple games that they've done. We're also going to get into what Mike Tannenbaum said about a particular AFC North quarterback. But first, we're going to talk a little baseball. There was a no-hitter last night. Well, what Chicago White Sox, what a story they've been. They had a stretch there in the game. They had over the last like eight games or so where they had 30 home runs in eight games or Hitting the ball out of the yard. Now they had a no-hitter yesterday. And it was by Lucas Giolito. 13 Ks. He allowed one walk in the 4-0 win over the Pirates. It's the first no-hitter of the season. He made 30 people swing and miss. Swing and misses. 30. That was the most swing and misses since Nolan Ryan in 1990. So Lucas Giolito of the Chicago White Sox. Gets the win. Four not 13. He always had a perfect game. There was a couple of scary points there, especially in the seventh inning, where a shortstop came up and get the ball, skipped to the first base, was able to pick it out, including the very last out of the ninth as well, where it was a line drive shot out to right field. And a guy made a catch and secured the first no-hitter of the season. It is the 19th no-hitter in White Sox history. So that was a big accomplishment last night. I'm sure Lucas has never dreamed about when he came into the league. They actually will get a no-hitter, but that's awesome. 13 Ks, man. He was his dominant all-night. Pirates could not hit anything, literally. And then some more baseball news. I witnessed something yesterday that I had never seen before in like my entire time watching baseball. The Miami Marlins won the doubleheader against the Mets in both games. They shut them out. 4 nothing in the first one, 3 nothing in the second one. And there was an instance in the sixth inning of this game where the Marlins guy, John Bertie, drew a walk. Went to first. Then he stole three straight bases and scored. I've never seen that happen. It's the first time that's ever happened in the uh, same inning in the history of the Florida, or Miami Marlins history. And I've never seen it happen because the sequence and how it happened was just so weird. It was almost like... Like the second one, the ball got away from the catcher. You know, he held on. And when he stole third base, the guy covering third base was way, way off the bag. So it was an easy steal. Then when he steals home, the catcher literally lobs the ball up to the pitcher. He's like, oh, I'm just going to take off. I'm just going to take off and go. And he stumbles about almost like three quarters of the way down. (laughs) Stumbles, starts crawling, digging at the dirt and still gets the home. Because even the throw home, the catcher dropped it then too. And he scored easily. He would have scored way easier if he didn't trip and fall. Or like stumble there towards the end. But this is... I've never seen this happen before in my entire time watching baseball. Like it was a walk in the park. The catcher there for the Mets was Ali Sanchez and the pitcher was Familia. Familia looked like he just didn't want to be out there. He was just like, oh, man, I don't really care if this guy scores or not. I guess the Mets didn't want to be out there all day because he lost twice. A donut. They didn't even score in any of the two games. 
That's something else I had never witnessed before. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a, something happened. Was there a delay in one of the games? And but no, that happened. Marlins. John Bertie stole three bases all in a row there in the sixth inning. Like way too easy. I can't believe that actually happened. Okay, now let's hop into that basketball game of Nuggets versus the Jazz. Jamal Murray took over the game in the second half, leading the Nuggets to a win over the Jazz, 117-107. They extend the series by winning game five. They're still down 3-2. They got to pull off another two games in a row, but with the way Jamal Murray, it was his time this time. Donovan Mitchell, he was like, this is my game. He played the whole entire second half, finishing the game with 42 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. And he was 17 of 26 for the game. He scored 33 of his 42 points in that second half, and he didn't come out. He played all 24 minutes. He put the team on his back, though. <laughs> like, that is calling, that is what you call putting the team on your back right there. Jokic also finished with 31 points, six rebounds, four assists. Michael Porter Jr. added 15 points for the Nuggets. And for the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell played. The finished the game with 30 points, 5 assists. Mike Conley added 17, and also Jordan Clarkson added 17. So, do the Nuggets still have a shot at winning the series? You never know. The way this NBA you know playoff has gone so far with these other series, you never know what's going to happen. But, uh, hey, the Jazz wheeled off three in a row. Why can't the Nuggets? And Jamal Murray put this show that Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell are putting on right now is absolutely incredible. Young kids in their early 20s putting on a show saying that battle between them is is incredible. Like Even at the end of the game, Jamal Murray wanted Donovan Mitchell to guard him. Donovan Mitchell guard him on a few occasions. Jamal Murray has stepped back, buried in his face. Donovan Mitchell has been crazy in this series as well with a couple of 50-point games. Like this battle between these two it could be the birth of a big time kind of rivalry in the Western Conference there. Because the way they're going back and forth, it oh, I can't remember the last time I've seen something crazy like this. It is a crazy battle between them. I'm looking forward that you could have one in the Western in the uh, finals as well with the Clippers and Lakers. That's the big one I want. Can the LA versus LA battle happen? actually happened like we thought it was at the beginning of the year. But this play by Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell, it's a show every game. Every game is close. Every game is going down to the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter. These teams would be down 15 points at some point during the game, and then somehow the other team is wheels it back, and this goes at it. This is an incredible display of basketball. This is what I love about the game, to see two guys like this put their hearts into it, and go at each other, especially in this game with Jamal. You're facing elimination. You've lost three games in a row. Three games in a row. You you dropped another 50 point in a loss. It's like Donovan Mitchell dropped a 50 point in a loss. Like these two individuals are putting on a show. And it's, the Jamal Murray and the Joker, when they're in sync like that, it is a sight to see. Because the Joker hit a big three to seal the deal in the corner on a pass from Jamal Murray. During this game, it really sealed the deal. And it's just incredible to see these young guys just go in there and battle. Now, there was another battle last night, too, as well. 
The Clippers and Mavs. The Clippers won the game 154 to 111. They take the three games, the two lead on the Mavericks. And it wasn't even close from the beginning. Like Paul George came out there. And we had a Paul George sighting, ladies and gentlemen. We had a Paul George sighting. We called him out. We asked there was something wrong. There had to be something wrong with Paul George. He came out and said he was battling with depression and, you know, anxiety and in the bubble. And that's why his head was in the game. He met with one of the team's psychiatrists and psychologists. And this said, like, hey, like, I'm not doing well in this bubble, you know. And it's good. He it's not, it's, you know, it's glad that he came out and said that. I'm glad he came out to say it. I'm glad he's comfortable with saying it out there and letting the people know, letting us know, like, hey, I'm here, man. I'm still Paul George. I was just struggling mentally there for a little bit. And, you know, I'm back now. Like, I'm all right. Like, that's a, that's a good thing to see because we don't, he was struggling so bad, you know, these last three games prior to this. And it was, just, it was not normal. It was like wondering, like, what in the world is going on with Paul George? But it's good to see him out there. He balled out last night again with 35 points. Kawhi Leonard finished with 32 points. Harold dropped 19 points, 11 rebounds, getting a double-double for himself. And Doncic finished for the Mavs with 22 points, 8 rebounds. He was wincing and pain the entire game. I would just, I'm glad that they just ended up sitting him there towards the end because the Mavs just weren't, were trailing by 20-plus points for the majority of this game. And Luka... Doncic needs to rest that ankle. And Porzingis was out again for a second straight game. So you knew that Luka Magic couldn't last too much longer in that incredible game four performance. But this LA dominance, man. 154 points. That's the most in team history. That's the third most points scored in a playoff game in NBA history. And it's the most the Mavs have led up in their entire franchise history. So that was some impressive number they were just scoring at will all night long on dallas they struggled with you know defense and without porzingis and paul george locked in Kawhi leonard locked in like they were last night they were unstoppable the mavs are definitely going to need porzingis in game six and hopefully luca is able to walk man i swear he was wincing in pain so like so much last night and it was, uh, they should have sat him the rest of the whole second half, in my opinion. They should have sat him the whole second half and called it a day because they weren't going to win the game. They were up and down all night. So let's talk, in, let's talk about this L.A. dominance. Both the Clippers and Lakers are showing what we all thought they were going into the bubble. Beginning of the season, we were all like, it's going to be L.A. versus L.A. Things happened during the season that made us switch our minds. I got on the Portland bandwagon myself. I was like, oh, Portland's going to be, beat the Lakers. And now Dame Lillard's out for tonight's game, game five. And it looks like that series is going to be officially a wrap come the end of tonight. So the Lakers will be moving on. And hopefully the Clippers. I want to see that battle. That's the battle I wanted to see. I want to see the underdogs win every series, though. Like, I would like to see the Mavs pull out the upset against Clippers. I would love to see the Blazers, you know, pull off the upset against the Lakers. <laughs> it looks like this is not going to happen, you know. But, like, the L.A. dominance is real. Who is the king of L.A.? Who will the king of L.A. be come the end of this playoffs? Do the Mavs have enough spunk to end the Clippers, King, and Kawhi Leonard? Next round, the Lakers could face the Rockets or Thunder. 
Could they get there? The LA versus LA battle needs to happen for basketball. It needs to happen during these times. That's what everybody wants to see. That was everybody's pick in the beginning of the season. That was my pick for I come out of the Western Conference. I was like, it's going to be LA versus LA. As soon as Kawhi Leonard made that choice to come to the Clippers, I knew it was real. It was going to be LA versus LA. And he had the crown, I think, in the commercial as well. I think that they had a crown put on him in the commercial. I remember right. I think he came in there wearing a crown when he first got there. So that's what we all want to see. We want to see that LA versus LA battle will happen. We all hope so. But only time will tell. All right. Now this next subject we're talking about, it is all about football. The NFL here. Mike Tannenbaum came on and said, the worst quarterback in the AFC North is Big Ben Roethlisberger. Because he's coming off an injury, hasn't played much in the last two years. His shoulder's not the same. He's old. He's dirt old. Basically what Mike Tannenbaum is saying. Now, Mike Tannenbaum. First off, he should just be banned from TV. He should be banned from any kind of expert analysis when it comes to football. Because you failed as an executive in the front office as vice president of football operations and everything. Twice. Big time. You're talking about the what you did in Miami and what you did for those New York Jets. Is Didn't you give all the money to uh, a certain player? The butt fumble guy? Is that that guy? Didn't you have all the money and gave it all to Mark Sanchez? Didn't you do that? And didn't you bring in Jay Cutler there in Miami and have that ridiculous season and bringing in Adam Gase? Didn't you do that? Like, didn't you do those? So a quarterback evaluator that had faith in Mark Sanchez and Jay Cutler is the guy giving QB like expertise here. No. Possible way, Mike Tannenbaum. Come on, man. Like, I'm not listening to a damn thing you say. You're banned from TV. Banned from giving any kind of NFL advice ever again. Come on now. But let's get in. Let's see who you all think is the best AFC quarterback in the division. Is it Big Ben? Steelers. Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. Baker Mayfield for the Browns. Or Joe Burrow for the Bengals. Let's rank them. Let's see Definitely Big Ben's definitely not number four, Mike Tannenbaum. He's definitely not the worst in this division. Especially when we have a certain player playing for the uh, Cleveland Browns. Or the Cleveland Clowns, as I like to call them. Baker Mayfield. Joe Burrow's a rookie. You want to put him ahead of Big Ben right now? I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, the first quarterback is obviously Lamar Jackson. He's the best quarterback in the division, hands down. MVP last year. He struggled in his two playoff games, though. He has struggled in two playoff games, but that's just from learning experience, you know. He's getting better at throwing a ball. He's getting really good at play-action pass. And the offense they have around him is really, like, they what they built around him with the speed they've gotten, the young guys they're bringing in, they're on both sides of the ball. It is dominant. Like, it's dominant. You do not want to line up and have... Them all going downhill on you. The running game is superb. But anyway, Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in this division. Now, number two. This is why I completely disagree with Mike Tannenbaum and everything. I will take Big Ben right now, who hasn't played much these last couple years, coming off a vigorous like shoulder injury and elbow and, and all that. Like It was a horrendous injury there for him, especially this late in his career. And being almost 40 years old. 
but I'm still taking him as the second best quarterback in this division. I'm taking him ahead of Baker and Joe Burrow right now. I'll take the entire Pittsburgh Steelers team as the second best team because their defense played very, very well last year. It was a quarterback play that held them back. Like they had a horrible QB play there from like Mason Rudolph and Hodges. They were in there. It was back and forth between those two guys. Now with Big Ben back, you don't have to really worry about that anymore. Big Ben is still going to chuck the ball. They got Juju will have a better year. Juju looked lost out there. He became the number one wide receiver, of course, you know, with Antonio Brown leaving. So Juju became the number one receiver. He didn't really show out in a lot of those games, but that was because of the quarterback play. He struggled all year because of the quarterback play. And now having Big Ben back there throwing in the ball, I believe he's going to get a lot more targets, a lot more catches, and a lot more yards. I expect a bounce back here for him. And James Conner, too. James Conner was in and out as a running back. But they got a young wide receiver crew. They got a young running back. I see Pittsburgh being the second best team behind Baltimore in this league or in this division. So Big Ben is my number two quarterback here, Mike Tannenbaum. He is not the worst quarterback in the division. Let's put that to rest right now. He is definitely not the the worst quarterback in the division. That's going a little bit overboard. But third, I'm going to put right now, it's a toss-up to me being Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow. I haven't seen Joe Burrow play in the NFL yet. Of course, he had that monster 60-touchdown year there for LSU. And there's a lot of hype. It's his first year in the league. There hasn't been a whole lot of practices going on. So I'm putting Baker Mayfield as my third. And Joe Burrow is going to be my last QB ranked in this division. because Just because he's a rookie. And there's been very little training camp, very little practice here. And I expect him to struggle his first year. Especially with Cincinnati. Especially in that division. This is a hard division. Any Baltimore and Pittsburgh defenses have been knockout punches for years, for decades. And to have a rookie quarterback going out there and because for without very much prep work here, you know, I think that'd be a little scary thing. <laughs> Maybe start seeing deer, like a head, deer in headlights out there. You never know. But, like, I'll put Baker Mayfield out there, even though he struggled. He get, Hey, they got rid of Freddie Kitchens. Anytime you call a play that's fourth and long, and you switch it to a running play, or don't give Baker the right to audible or anything like that, you're just, you know, <laughs> losing the game on purpose. Sometimes it looked like they are so mediocre. The Cleveland Clowns, man, the Cleveland Clowns. But in all seriousness, I expect Baker Mayfield to have a bounce back here. I can't see him having. What happened to him there in his second year? The sophomore effort really was bad. The whole experience last year, they were they came out of you know preseason as Super Bowl favorites in some people's eyes. In some people's eyes, winning the division and being going on to the Super Bowl. And look what happened. They didn't even make the playoffs. And let's face it, this division's just hard. It is just hard. Especially with the you know, Baltimore and Pittsburgh have been consistent for years so baker mayfield needs to make the jump you still have jarvis landry odell juku on time even though he requested a trade i'm not really sure how that update is happening right now i know he requested a trade 
you know, a month or so ago. But you still got Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield. This offense should be dominant. When you really look at it on paper, it really should be one of the best offenses in the league. If Baker Mayfield can just take that next step for him and be dominant and be that second best quarterback in the league in the division anyways behind Lamar Jackson. But right now it is Lamar Jackson, Big Ben, Baker Mayfield, and Joe Burrow. That is my rankings. I want to know your rankings as well. Who is the best quarterback, one through four, in the AFC North? And that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank you all for joining me here on Sports Talk from the Crib with your favorite sports host, Tanner Christian. Remember to head on over to the official website there at feeltheheatentertainment.com as well as the Feel the Heat Entertainment over there on Instagram for all your latest sports news and updates and stuff regarding the show. Thank you all for joining me. Remember, Monday through Fridays, available on all streaming platforms. You name it, we got it. Subscribe to it, whatever you choose. Appreciate the love, y'all show. Catch y'all tomorrow. Peace out.